pleased to be joined today by Sayil Magos, co-founder and CEO of talent science company MetaView. And before MetaView, Sayil worked on product at Uber, um, the fastest growing company probably like ever, um, where he built and led teams in a period when the company grew from 7,000 to 17,000 people um, in under two years. Um, now, he and the MetaView team are helping companies to make better talent decisions, up-leveling interviews. Sile, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Yeah, it's good, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good indeed, thank you. Um, it would be great to kick things off with, um, yeah, a little bit about your story, really. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm Sile. Um, I guess going way back, uh, grew up in London, uh, Irish mother, Hungarian father, so that sort of explains the quite strange name that I guess many of you probably haven't heard before. Um, went to university, studied history, um, but once I graduated, I really started to get um, quite obsessed with startups and, and tech. So not really related to what I studied, but um, yeah, just really caught the bug for it. Um, so that that passion really, after a few pit stops, uh, led me to be head of product at a startup in London called OSPA. Um, mm -hmm. Before going on to lead the product team, one of the product teams at Uber, as you as you mentioned, Matthew, um, they have a really large site, um, a large technology site in Amsterdam, which is where I was based. Absolutely loved it there. Definitely recommend to any folks if you get a if you're already there. Great, lucky you. If you get a chance to go there, it's a great place to be. Um, so yeah, would recommend that. Um, I think it was really those last two roles um, at OSPA and at Uber where I started to essentially develop a new obsession almost within I saw it I saw it within tech really but uh, in mm -hmm. many ways it's not still which was people um, if you think about OSPA that was a post series A startup so I joined when it was about 11 people just raised a round of funding from index I was working directly with the CEO and every hire really felt like you were, you were adding someone to your family you were adding someone to your team you know however you looked at it um, and indeed the process I went through to join the company was sort of really rigorous as well um, so we really obsessed over getting it right uh, and really obsessed over um, what are the sort of sequence of words we can say to this really hot candidate to make them understand that this is the place that they need to be. Um, and then at Uber, I sort of saw it on a different side, which is just seeing this elite hiring machine in action, um, mm. reliably bringing top quality people in um, at basically unprecedented scale um, was really a sight to behold. And uh, yeah, again, sort of started to sort of inform my intuition about, um, about about people in business. So yeah, really started to realize that, that if you trace back from any business goal, any business goal you, at all you might be focused on, um, it was actually the hiring processes that are the most impactful thing that, that you were doing that are gonna impact that in the long run. Um, yeah. So now back in London, been here for the past couple of years um, and building MetaView. Cool, so it sounds like it was a, uh, a gradual, um discovery around people, process, talent, data, iteration, um, that kind of led you to, to found MetaView. Um, am I right in that assumption? Or, or was it kind of more of a just happened overnight kind of thing? You know, it was, it's a bit of a mix, I'd say. Um, I think obviously, you know, Every, every bit of your career or maybe before your career sort of builds up the context you have as, a, as an individual. Um, yeah. So for me, it was quite sort of slowly, slowly, and then all at once, you know, I think mm -hmm. is the way a lot of these things go. So um, my co-founder, um, Sharia, I met while at OSPA. When I went to Uber, he went to Palantir, so had similar experiences, US tech company, actually IPO'd yesterday, so uh, congrats, Sharia. 
Um, Congratulations. Yeah, indeed. Um, but we always stayed in touch and sort of had this understanding. We were that, that we might explore entrepreneurial routes in future. Um, yeah. Eventually sort of that refined to this sort of shared obsession we had around people. Um, and we were jamming it for maybe a few weeks and we were using what we, uh, what's known as the how might we framework. So the how might we framework is basically, uh, some of you may already know this, basically where you start your sentence with how might we end it with the change that you want to see in the world. And it's just a way to sort of open up your horizons around what might be possible. So the phrase that we had that we started to jam around was how might we make it so that no bad hiring decisions are made again? Um, and once we did that, that's when everything really accelerated. Because actually we realized, well, what's the reason for bad hiring decisions at the moment? The key inflection point is interviews. Um, yeah. That's where the decisions are getting made. But there's almost no data coming out of those interviews. So how can we possibly help companies get better at that thing? Well, that's the problem then. How do we turn those interviews into data? Um, and once we did that, and given our understanding of, of speech to text, um, we sort of very quickly honed in on the, the on the on MetaView and and the sort of started the journey towards its its current incarnation. Um, Perfect. Yeah. And so, tell us what what is the mission and vision for MetaView? Yeah, so we help high-performing organizations identify, attract, and grow the right talent with unerring reliability. So there's a few key things there. One is that currently we're really focused on identify and attract. We don't do much on the growth side of, of people yet. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, we believe that conversations are the new frontier when it comes to tools and data in enterprise. There's so much of this data that is lost to the ether um, because it exists only in these conversations. Um, you can see this already in, in sales, in high-performing sales teams and high-performing customer support teams. They have a lot of tooling around turning their conversations into actionable data, both for training, but also for closing deals and making better decisions and all these sorts of things. And we really want to lead the charge on that on the talent side. Um, so as I mentioned, right now, we're super focused on interview conversations only. Um, there may be other conversations, there will be other conversation types in the future. But our, our thesis, frankly, is that who you hire is the biggest determinant of your culture and your success. So that's the sort of the highest leverage place for us to start. Um, yeah. but in interviews, we want to achieve three things. So number one is we want to help hiring managers make more evidence-based decisions. So, so many hiring processes still end with uncertainty. Um, and a lot of the time, if you're, especially if you're a high performing team, if you're uncertain, you'll just say no. Uh, and that obviously means you continue looking for, for the right person, um, yeah. even though that person might have been great. So, um, we think there's no, no reason um, why hiring managers shouldn't be able to refer and assess and access what actually happened in the interviews when making these expensive, important decisions so that they can get more of them right. And we have all sorts of collaboration tools around that. So just like you have a GDoc where you might sort of um, discuss the ins and outs of a business decision, you have a transcript on which you can sort of discuss uh, the hires you want to make um, as a hiring manager. Number two is uh, we really want to empower talent leaders for the first time um, uh, to understand what is happening in their interview process. If you're a company with even just even dozens of people, but especially if you're hundreds of people and even thousands of people, you're committing hundreds and maybe thousands of people hours to interviews mm -hmm. every year. Um, and as a talent leader, you have very little idea of what is going on. Um, as much as you might introduce structured interviews and structured scorecards, you still don't really know what's happening. Um, so we want to give people the data about what's happening in their interviews so they can actually turn those into a competitive advantage. Um, so we capture things like 
how long are the interviewer speaking as opposed to the candidate? How many questions were asked in the interview? How many follow-up questions? How many of those questions were closed or leading questions? How many were behavioral? Anything you can imagine, any metadata associated with an interview that you'd love to get access to, we have the capability of, of, of empowering talent leaders with. And then okay. finally, um, just one more, sorry, um, is we want to use that data, obviously, to make change. So uh, data is great, but, um, and it can often reveal important hypotheses. Um, but we want to use that, that data to make immediate change. So what I mean by that is um, interviewers themselves via the MetaView platform um, receive personalized feedback and nudges around what they can do differently to change mm -hmm. their interview style, um, which, of course, then bubbles up to the aggregate reports, um, but most importantly, makes those interviewers happier and more confident about the interview that they're conducting. Yeah, I can... As a, a recruiter for many, many years, I can relate to the, the problems you're trying to solve. Um, Great, the, that's good to hear. That final, uh, that final decision, like you say, the fear factor around the, the yes or no, where's the evidence there, it generally kind of falls to a, a more subjective basis yeah. or, or loudest actually, voice wins. <laughs> actually, one of, the, one of the things that we reflected on when starting the, the company was, I, I, I think I was a good, you know, pretty good performer in my time at Uber, for example. Um, but I do feel the outcome of that hiring process was was relatively arbitrary. Like I know how it works now. I know how the sort how the sausage is made. And there's this. It's, it's it depends on who who's available, who's going to interview that day. And if it had been a different cohort of people, I would have had a different outcome, and you know things would have changed. So yeah, removing some of that arbitrariness is um, is needed. Yeah, and I think it's a real powerful, as you say, kind of remove a bit of that blind spot from the TA function. To empower them, but also empower the interviewers to to improve, um, because it's not people's fault. But generally speaking, people are pretty rubbish at, at interviewing. So to have yeah. that continuous improvement, yeah, yeah. as you say, when the organisational goals are often underpinned by being able to identify and attract great talent, um, yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, so you've held a number of senior positions um, in organisations of like Betfair. Tepco, Osper, Uber, as we mentioned, um, and now you've kind of grown your organization to around um, eight employees. Um, what's your approach been throughout when it comes to scaling teams, you know, for yourself, you know, from both a, a product perspective, but also from a founder perspective? Yeah, I think um, when I was internal when I was working, let, let's be specific, when I was working at Uber um, and, and less so um, uh, to a degree also at, even at Tesco where there was actually some really great talent as well. Um, I had a bit of a, a, a sort of a technique around actually focusing much more on internal talent. Um, um, so at Uber, for example, I was responsible for, uh, I, was, I was involved in hiring product managers, product marketing managers, data scientists, designers, engineering managers. Um, this is a large organization with lots of uh, lots of different projects happening at different time, lots of people who aren't super motivated at any one time in other departments. So really getting out there and networking within the company to understand uh, who's great at what they do and who might be sort of a great uh, person to bring along on the journey we're on was a really sort of great source of talent, actually. Um, so that was sort of, I think, I think of course, and the reason I think for that was Uber just had the sort of the external hiring machine down pat, you know, they had, there's, there's not much I could contribute there really. I did the odd sort of contribution to employer brand related things, but really as a sort of a 
someone who had entrepreneurial ambitions within the company, entrepreneurial maybe, my, my best route to finding talent was actually sort of do it myself. So that would be one is like really think around if you're in a larger company, the landscape of the company, where are things, um, uh, where, then, where there might be great talent who might be motivated to work in your project. And of course, there's like a painful conversation that might happen there. But the reality is if that person's not happy in what they're doing, they're going to leave the company. So it makes yeah. sense to bring them into something that might be more exciting. So that was always a, a go-to for me. Um, when it comes to MetaView, um, and obviously we're, we're small, so it's always the case of bringing in external talents. Um, the key thing that I focus on, um, we definitely have a high bar in terms of um, competency and skill, as all of our customers do as well. Um, but the key thing that I really focus on is on motivation alignment. Um, yeah. So the way I sort of visualize it is, um, Matthew, you're on a journey. I'm on a journey in my career too. MetaView's on a journey. Obviously, there's massive overlap between MetaView's journey and my journey at the moment, which is great. What I want to understand is when, when I speak to a candidate, is the journey that they're on, are we going to help them get there? Is it mutually beneficial for us to join arms, even if it's only for a year or two years? Because I think that's a multiplier effect. So I really want to come away confident that MetaView is truly a good place for them to be in order to achieve what they want. Because I know that we we both just get way more out of the relationship if that's the case. And sometimes you can get sort of incredibly skilled people where that's not the case. And actually it's not the best call to, to, to work together because it's, it's just a, it's almost just regretful at the end of the day when, when it doesn't work out. Um, so yeah, I focus a lot on that motivation alignment. And I think what that means for interviewers that might be listening to this is really be honest with yourself when you're coming out of the interview do you feel you have a thorough understanding of the, what that person is trying to do with their career? And if not, have the conversation again. And even if that's just a quick 15 minute call or whatever it might be, just really get clear on that. Because if you feel confident that them joining the company is gonna help them get there, you will be able to earnestly and genuinely sell them so much better on the role. And if they take it, you're both gonna prosper, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm less involved in assessing I guess skills and behaviors in our organization, but the interviewing conversation I have, like this is the question. This is the conversation. Yeah. You have to I feel I really relate to this this question and I feel a sense of responsibility if I'm asking somebody to leave their organization as the CEO of ours, that yeah, what they want is something that we can um we can deliver. And also that we're all aware that the world of scaling organizations can take many parts. So that might not be in exactly the time box they expect, or it might fork and yeah. we have to make some decisions, but I completely agree. And people often over-index on the the selling, selling, selling part. Um, yeah. And you need to be selling against what the person wants, right? What their needs are. And um, yeah, if you don't understand this, you can find yourself in some awkward conversations with people yeah. <laughs> later yeah. on. And I, I think it's a core, um, for as long as a, obviously MetaView, we want to be a large organization and you know, fingers crossed one day we will be and we maybe we won't have this luxury. But one of the luxuries, one of the advantages you get as a smaller organization is in my case, as the CEO, I can speak to everyone that we hire. I don't know about if that's still the case for you or not, Matthew. Um, but even, even if we get sort of you know, beyond the size we're at now, the idea that you could take this quite tailored view, very personal, right, very personalized approach to identifying and attracting the right person for this sort of one or two roles that you're hiring for is like it's a luxury um mm -hmm. so and it's a, it's a competitive advantage if that candidate is also speaking to a series of other larger companies which 
they are more like you know numbers yeah uh, so it's important to lean into as well i agree couldn't agree more and that's a really useful practical tip and i think not just necessarily for the ceos but i think those sort of heads of team leaders anyone that's responsible for for that person's career um, should should certainly be asking those questions as a a tangible takeaway from this um what would you say is the biggest um bs advice uh, when it comes to scaling teams we ask this question to everybody and we get some very interesting answers but if you could try and relate that specifically to early stage kind of product focused organizations you know what's one myth that you'd say needs to be uh, busted I'm going to be a little bit of a politician on this one, but Ooh. I still think there's some hopefully like tangible things to take out of it. Yeah. Um, so as a founder or a leader, any sort of anyone with essentially that owns an objective, um, I guess, um, you have to be aware that all advice that you're receiving has never worked in your specific context because mm-hmm. your specific context has never happened before. And, and I, I don't just mean that because MetaView is doing something very innovative and this sort of thing. I mean, I mean that in any organization, your specific context with the specific stakeholders and the specific sort of global context, especially now, has never happened before. So that doesn't mean that all advice is bad advice, obviously. It just means that none of it can be accepted sort of down pat without critically analyzing it. So every situation is different. Um, so I think... Um, uh, the, the reality is there's no such thing as bad advice either because some of it will work sometimes and the people who are giving it, they're giving it because they've seen it work at some point. Uh, but it's your job as the leader to be able to pass it and understand if this is right for me. So I think there are two um, techniques that I would, or I try and use, or maybe I need to, I could sometimes do a better job at it, but I try and use and I'd recommend others use. One is if it's someone that's giving advice who's quite removed from the business, um, just take it in, be thankful that you're getting this signal that this person with this background thinks that in my situation, I should be doing this. Okay, I'll make of that what I will. And maybe I'll sort of, I'll store that for later and maybe it will, it will come true, but I'm definitely not going to follow it out of the, out of the, out of the gate. The second option is if it's someone who's quite close to the business um, or quite close to your, you know, a tight stakeholder to your, your team or whatever it might be, is to ask them, um, and it takes a bit of practice, I think, to get comfortable doing this, but to ask them, um, can you tell me about where you've seen this work before? So your job as a leader is to understand, it's essentially to make a bet on what situations they're referring to are truly analogous to what you're experiencing, because they're not going to do that work for you because they don't know enough about your context. Um, so asking that question usually inspires a really interesting conversation at the very least. Um, may It will give you a better understanding of the advice they're giving and whether to ignore it or actually take it on, maybe with a slight adaptation. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's what I would encourage people to do. I don't think there's such thing as bad advice. I don't think there's such thing as great advice. You know, just it's it's all contextual. Um, I guess the thing to bear in mind is giving advice is such a cheap thing to do. Uh, like I will do it if someone asks for my advice, I'll give it, and I'm not going to spend loads of time, you know, uh, understanding their context. And so I'm just going to tell them what has worked for me. Um, so yeah, you really need to assess what what's credible to your situation. I love that, and I would say that is great advice. use use your company filter um yeah you know it's very easy to fall into that trap right you know how google did facebook uber did um yeah you need to get your your company sieve out and uh, see see which bits work for you and uh, you know validate where that feedback's coming from i can give you advice company sieve is that something you guys use no no it's it's come from here trademark it 
trademark it. It's done. <laughs> and it's so easy to do. Everyone's an expert these days, right? And everyone's yeah. prepared to uh, caress their ego by, by sharing their pearls of wisdom. So, uh, yeah, definite yeah. validation there. Um, so we all know that businesses can make better decisions with data. And that's the you know, very foundation of your organization. Um, what are some key data points that you feel uh, founders and talent leaders should be focusing on when they're scaling teams? Yeah. Um, so obviously, I have a special expertise and penchant for interview data. But just putting that aside uh, for now, I do think that um, essentially pass-through rates are really uh, really useful metrics. We actually use them in some of our analysis to understand um, what great interviewing looks like based on pass-through rates of those characteristics. So, you know, knowing um, what your hiring manager pass-through rate is a great way to understand the quality of their relationship with the recruiter they're working with and how well the recruiter understands the role or sometimes how well the hiring manager understands the role. Um, On-site pass-through rates, same thing. They give you a great understanding of um, whether the hiring manager has actually engaged enough with the other folks on the panel to help them understand what's being looked for. Um, and whether they're actually aligned on these things. So I, I am big believers in 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 those metrics. Yeah, honestly, as a as a as a product person, usually there is one sort of key metric you're responsible for within the business. And so I would always sort of encourage people to mainly focus on on that metric. Um, at the moment, what that means to me is anything that relates to uh, velocity and impact is what I care about. And at our scale, some of those things are not necessarily things you put on a dashboard, right? That's things like, how often do I get to go to a customer and tell them we've got this new thing that we think you'll love? And, you know, I'll just get a feeling every once in a while that, um, okay, great, I'm, I'm saying this a lot to people and they're reacting really well. And that makes me energized and we have transparency into that from the rest of the business and they get energized through that too. So it is a bit of a soft one, but there is a, there is a metric there underneath it. It's just we're at the scale where um, uh, we can sort of, we, we manage it uh, personally. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I would really focus on those things. For, for us internally, as a as a business, the metrics that we care about um, on the product side um, are essentially amount of engagement uh, with our with our products. So literally, how often are people using it, and how often when we give data or um, feedback to talent leaders and interviewers, how often do they tell us it was helpful as opposed to not helpful? And we, we aim to keep that very high. So uh, we start to get worried if that dips below 90% of the time. Um, so we want a very high uh, signal to, to, no, to noise ratio. We want it to be all signal, nothing that distracts you or gets in your way from helping you do your job. Um, so that's the one that really matters to us at the moment. Great, perfect. And in one of your recent blog posts, you shared some of the most um, common but also easily addressable mistakes you've seen through you know, your own data and, um, and experiences yourself. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about those, um, those common mistakes? Yeah, for sure. It's like my, my, my favorite topic. So definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, the, one of the cool things about MetaView is it takes obviously a very personalized approach to um, helping people improve because it's all about how getting your personal data as an interviewer or your organization's data. Um, doesn't change the fact that there are some common things that folks do. So um, we have a number of ways that we we measure interviews that I mentioned at the start. But some of the key um, key things that a lot of your your inexperienced interviewers will want to work on is we found that 28% of inexperienced interviewers um, don't set expectations for an interview. So what that means is explaining to the candidate 
the purpose of the interview, how it's going to be structured, um, when they'll get time to ask their own questions, these types of things. Most important thing there really is the purpose. Like I want to talk to you to understand your experiences as an account executive. I really want to get into some specific detail. That sets the interview up for success so effectively because the candidate actually knows what they need to show during the course of the interview mm -hmm. and they get closure at the end of it. They sort of know that, well, we were supposed to do this. I do feel like I did that. Um, so I feel satisfied with, with whatever the outcome might be. That's a bit of a exaggeration, but it, you're more likely to get that outcome. So yeah, a lot sure. of communities don't set that expectation for the interview, which is um, something that we help with uh, a lot and get good results out of. Um, new interviewers really struggle with failing to get concrete. So one of the things that we track in MetaView is um, the number of questions that are specific requests for examples. So yeah, things you can add, like, can you tell me about a time you did this? Can you, do you have an example of a time you did X or Y? Um, new interviewers are, tend to be very, very bad at doing that. So 83% of new interviewers will not ask for a single concrete example during the course of an interview. Um, we all know that past performance is, is the best predictor of future performance. So to be missing out on these concrete examples is, it's gonna be very hard for you to contribute to hiring great people if you're not doing this. Um, yeah. So that's one that we pick up on a lot. Um, away from new interviewers, there are also some really interesting things. Um, so even when we look at our interview population as a whole, 11% of those interviewers conduct what we call lax interviews. Lax interviews, basically an interview that has uh, a low question count. Um, mm -hmm. So this is agnostic of how experienced they are as interviews. There's just a lot of interviews that are happening. And if, again, if you're at scale, this is hundreds of hours of interviews that are happening where actually there's not many questions being asked at all, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and the other one that we see a lot is, is really struggling to stay consistent. Um, we've actually just released, uh, uh, well, in the process of rolling out um, a new feature um, around uh, interview consistency. One of the variables within consistency is how interviewers, um, or I should say, how candidates of different genders um, either behave or are treated during the interview. And what we see yeah. is there are some quite noticeable differences in, for example, candidate airtime between female candidates and male candidates. So candidate airtime is the amount of time that they have to speak during an yeah. interview. Um, and what we see is female candidates tend to have significantly less time uh, to speak during an interview than male. Um, so yeah, that consistency is, is also a thing that um, we're looking to, to help with. Wow, it's hugely impactful data points there as well, right? Back to kind of the, the, the product or the data that it captures and kind of applying this type of data to the, you know, the organization, your customers and their approach internally. Who's responsible for owning that data within the organization? Is it the kind of TA function, the hiring manager themselves to, to reflect and continuously improve based on the feedback? or a combination yeah. of or somewhere else like i'd love to hear about yeah that. It, it is a combination i think any 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 anyone who's in the sort of recruitment space you realize there's multiple stakeholders right it will, it will typically be sort of forward-thinking talent leader that will take on the product and own the aggregate level data and sort of make that play to take ownership for interview quality in the organization we actually have some customers where they they have specific phrasing around this like i'm responsible for interview execution and things like this which is quite cool for us to see that people are taking on this sort of um, essentially new new responsibilities. Um, 
sometimes that will be encouraged by senior management. It will, you know, there'll be a sort of just an intuitive sense that people aren't confident that the interviews are being effective and therefore it will almost come via senior management to the talent leader. But that is the person that, that we engage with most. There, there are hiring managers or senior managers, I should say, that also care about the data within their organization, um, so, so their department, I should say, within the organization. Um, and of course, at the individual level, of course, every interviewer is interested in their feedback and their metrics. So yeah, we, we this product's been built by people who are most akin to interviewers and hiring managers. So we're very sort of A, sympathetic to making sure the product is no effort for them to use it and B, excites them um, when they see the result. So th there is a lot for them too. Perfect. And my brain's kicking here as someone who runs a company like yours. And I'm thinking, you know, if I were looking to to maximize this information, you know, we would have shared goals across department, you know, around the optimization of the hiring process. Um, yeah. Yeah. And people would have the responsibility for the different parts of the process they're responsible for, right? Yeah. As you say, yeah. recruit, recruiters are hiring manager, you know, that's a that's a recruiter thing, right? Um, yeah. First stage interview, the conversion there, the, the airtime, all of the different metrics. Uh, I, I'd be looking to share that responsibility within the relevant people in the organization to make sure it's adopted but geek around those types of things um touching on kind of the the challenges of, of cross-departmental collaboration in some cases and buying into the hiring process um building a culture of, of hiring is something that i've been speaking to different founders about recently and we've touched on throughout the series and um, you've already kind of touched on this but I guess to emphasize, like, how critical do you see um, a culture of hiring to the success or failure of a, a startup or scale up? And, you know, building your own company in a, a product role previously, you've had the, you know, all of the different layers of experience in this. So I'd love yeah. to get your thoughts on that. Quite broad topic, but in a yeah, in yeah. yeah. I'll, 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 um, I mean, obviously, the short answer is uh, I'm with you, right? It's completely. It's vitally important. Um, I guess the sort of the point that I bring it to, or whatever the, the phrase that for me has impact here is um, anyone that owns an objective within an organization. So let's and that's so you you can have that sort of everywhere in the organization, down to individual contributors, of course, can own objectives too. But anyone that owns objectives within an organization will not achieve that objective if they don't have the right people in their team. Um, yeah. It's 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 almost so obvious it's not worth saying, but it sort of is worth saying because people forget about it and people maybe focus on what they can do. But actually, you're not going to achieve an objective of any size if you don't have the right people in your team. So that's really, again, going back to the start of the conversation, that's the starting point for MetaView in many ways as well. Like I was cognizant of that. You know, I started to get increasingly cognizant of that in the last sort of five years of my career before before starting MetaView. Um, so yeah, that, that's really obvious to me, at least. I think one other thing that I find that I think is interesting and, and worth paying attention to too is um, I think as a leader at certain levels, you're also trying to sometimes create a movement. If you're trying to do something really special, you really want to create momentum and create a movement around this thing. Um, you know, obviously that's something we're trying to do here at MetaView, uh, interview analytics, talent science. These are things that we want to um, really move the needle on and, and make a movement around. Um, getting great people to join those movements, even within your company, with, if you're doing an internal project, is so energizing for the team, so energizing for the mission, and importantly, it also signals to external people 
that you're doing something special. And that yeah. could be prospects, that could be customers, that could be other potential future hires. But the feeling, which is, again, hard to measure, but the feeling that you're doing something special is something that people want to be a part of. And again, that does include customers. Customers want to be part of, you know, they want to be early adopters of things that of companies that are doing something special. Future hires want to be part of something that's going to sort of, you know, have books written about it in future or whatever it might be. So I do think there's a side to, to talent that actually is one of the biggest force multipliers on that, that vision as well. Perfect. Thank you very much. We are over time and I'm getting some uh, messages to tell me to hurry up. Um, <laughs> but thanks. To, if anyone does need to drop off the, the call, you absolutely can. This will be recorded. We've just got a couple of, uh, a couple of closing questions um, that we ask anybody, uh, everybody. Um, and that is, is there anything that you listen to or watch for inspiration other than, of course, this wonderful series? Of course, I was going to say yes. Of course. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I I go in peaks and troughs of being a sort of a sort of you know voracious podcast listener to being a voracious reader. Um, yeah, at the moment I'm very focused on some metaview things, but the podcast I, I will sort of reliably listen to is one of our investors actually, uh, Village Global, have a really good podcast called Venture Stories. Um, Village Global is like a um, an organization funded by the likes of Reid Hoffman, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, um, Jeff Bezos um, to invest in startups. Um, so basically that means they get amazing access to awesome guests. Um, and the host on that show 